great to be here this morning, great to have the opportunity to fill in. I'm going to do something just a little bit different this morning. I'm going to try to use a PowerPoint this morning as we go through our service, just to kind of put our mind on the Word and what the Lord would have for us. But this morning is truly a message for the church. And so as we look this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. And also find your place over in Mark chapter 8. So 2 Peter chapter 1 and Mark chapter 8. Again, we just want to thank the Lord for a great Bible school. What a blessing it was just to be here and see him blessed this week. And so as we look this morning, again, this is going to be a message to the church. And the title of the message this morning is just diagnosing your spiritual condition. So diagnosing your spiritual condition. Before we get started, let's just ask the Lord to bless as we read his word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we stand before you this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would just bless in a mighty way, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we consider the words here in 2 Peter, Lord, that you would just bring a challenge to us, the church, Lord. Just let us find our place in the message this morning, Lord. Just go before us, Lord. Just allow us just to recognize how good you are to us, Lord, and just what you have for us and what you desire for us, Lord. And most of anything, Lord, you desire that we know we'd be saved, Lord. And then once we're saved, what do we do with that salvation, Lord? And Lord, today, I just pray that again, I would get out of the way, Lord. You would just speak and use this message to challenge our hearts exactly what we need to hear this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning as we look, we're going to look at diagnosing your spiritual condition. And as we consider diagnosing our spiritual condition, we want to start in verse 1 there, just to get an acclamation as who said this and what the, the background is and what we're looking at and how do we know it's a challenge to the church. And so if you look there this morning, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who, who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior. Jesus Christ. So again, what we're looking at is to them who have obtained like precious faith. That's us. He's talking to the church. And if you take notes in your Bible, I preached out of this passage back in 2019. And in our Sunday school, we've been studying through 2 Peter a few months ago. But again, as we look this morning, I just feel like this is an appropriate message to us, the church, this morning. And, you know, as you come off the hills of Bible school and you see what the Lord did and you see those salvations that were made, many times we're left with the question, okay, now that I'm saved, what's next? What is it I'm supposed to do? And for us that are saved, what is it that the Lord would have us to continually be in the process of doing? So just by the authority, we know that Peter speaks this, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's talking to us, the church to those that have obtained like precious faith. But then look what he says there. What is he writing? He writes to the church and he says this. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. 
So as we see, his prayer for believers initially is this, that you might have grace and peace, and that that grace and peace might be multiplied unto you. And then he goes on and he says, there's some things that you have. So what is ours? What is ours in Jesus Christ is grace and peace. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? When you see our world today and you consider all the things they're doing to fill those voids that are in their life, It's all for a pursuit of peace. How can I get an internal settled peace? And that can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. What is ours? All things that pertain to life and godliness. So when we get saved, as he speaks to the church, he says these things are yours. You have already in your possession all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not only that, but you are given glory and virtue, and beyond that, you have been given exceeding great and precious promises. So we get these exceedingly great and precious promises that we may be partakers of the divine nature. Now just think just a minute. This is inheritance. This is just for us for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to do anything. In fact, if you look at that, it says there that he hath given unto us. And in verse 4, it says, whereby are given unto us. So it's something that he just freely gives to us, and all these things are ours. But what else? If that's not enough, he goes on in verse 5, and he says this. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And he says, not only do you want to add to your faith virtue, but to virtue, you want to add knowledge. And to knowledge, you want to continue and add temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. So he says, I want you to start building on your faith. So again, it's Peter. He's speaking to us, the church. He says, hey, believers, here's what you already have. Here's what you've already obtained. You've already got all these precious promises that God has bestowed upon you. And then with your faith, I want you to start building on that. You know, and when I preached this message back in 2019, if you remember, what we kind of did is we kind of lined people up up here in the front. And we said, why is it we get in so much trouble? When we consider that not only do we have faith, but to faith we continue to add to those things. We add virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, we add love. So when we have that whole arsenal before us, How is it we fall into sin? How is it we find ourselves in the mess of life? It's because we just find ourselves considering those things and we don't take advantage of what we have. We don't take advantage of growing in our faith. You know, as we sit here this morning and we consider these things, have you ever been this point? Have you ever said, you know what, Lord? I recognize what you've done for me. I I know that I'm a Christian beyond a shadow of a doubt but I'm not what I need to be before you. Lord, I need to do more. Lord, I want to do more. I want to do better. Lord, I want to pray more. 
Lord, I want to start reading my Bible more. Lord, I want to be usable of you. I want to look for those windows of opportunity. But I'm afraid too many times we put our focus on the action of what we're going to do as opposed to the one we're doing it for. You see, if we'll just back up and recognize what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll put our focus there, all those other things will come into play. But if we spend so much time trying to do, to complete, to be more of what we need to be, then we get bogged down in the task and we forget about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a huge difference in that. You can be busy about doing the Lord's work and yet miss him altogether. Or you can put your focus just on him and all the other stuff will fall into place. So you just got to make sure that our objective is to put our focus on him. You see, as we consider these things and we think about what the Lord has for us, you know, we've got all these things that have been promised. And it says in verse 8 there, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, look, if these things are there and present, all this other stuff is going to be there. If, if, if you just focus on these things, it's all going to be there. But do you have to ask if someone has these things present in their life? No, you don't have to ask. They just show you. Just be around them for a little while. It becomes quite evident what they're pursuing. What is a person pursuing? They're pursuing that thing that they talk about the most. What is a person pursuing? They're pursuing whatever they spend the most time on. What is a person pursuing? They're pursuing those things that appeal to that person. So you don't have to ask and you don't have to be around someone very long to figure out what's their pursuit. What are they abounding in? Verse 8 again, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? He's already said, I'm going to promise. He's made the promise for us. He says, I'm going to do it for you. I've already done it. It's based on the knowledge you have in me. Now, there's a couple statements that I want to just bring your attention to. Some things that we need to consider. The first is this. What you do every once in a while can make a small difference. But what you do every day can change your life. Think about that. From our perspective with the Lord, what you do just every once in a while, that's going to make a small difference. But what you commit to do every day it's going to change your life. And if you're not changing, you're not growing. We gotta be in the business of changing and growing. That's why when, when Peter wrote this and he lined it up, he says this. He says, and besides this, give all diligence, add. Add to your faith virtue. Add to virtue knowledge. Add to knowledge temperance, add the temperance, patience, then godliness, then brotherly kindness, then charity. It's about adding to the faith, building upon what the Lord has already given us. But I want to focus just a little while on diagnosing our current spiritual condition. Diagnosing our current spiritual condition. Because if you look at verse 9 there, it says this, but he that lacketh 
these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's where I want to focus this morning. Right there on verse 9. See, we've already said that Peter is addressing the church. He's addressing Christians. He's talking to us. He's saying, hey guys, I have a message through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit to deliver those who have obtained precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He says, I've got a message for you. First and foremost, he says, I desire that grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Secondly, he says, I want to remind you of what you have already in Christ. But then he says, if you're lacking in these things, then there's a spiritual condition that we need to consider. There's a spiritual condition that you may have. The first of those spiritual conditions is spiritual myopia. Now, myopia is just a fancy word for nearsightedness. Nearsighted, it just means I can see right here, but I can't see afar off. I can see right here in front of me, but I can't see very far off from that. Not only does he says this, he doesn't say it's either or. He says this. He says you either have spiritual myopia or you have spiritual amnesia. As we look right there, he says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So what is that condition? Do you have spiritual myopia this morning? You know, if we look about and we were to ask ourselves just in terms of uh, who here would be nearsighted, I'd say many of us could raise our hands and say, yeah, I'd be nearsighted. And if we think about that, that again means I can see up close, but I just can't see very far away. If we think about that, that spiritual myopia is just limiting our view to right here. From a spiritual perspective, how many of us this morning live our life right here? Just in what I can see, in the circumstances of today, what's taking place, what's distracting me, what's pulling me this way, what's pulling me that way, and we lose sight of God. See, God doesn't always reveal his precise exact plan in our immediate timing. Sometimes he allows circumstances to take place. Sometimes he allows periods of time to pass before he reveals exactly what he has for us. Having spiritual myopia is saying, you know what? I don't have a focus on God because I'm too busy focusing right here in front of me. I've got all my bearings right here in front and I'm going to find myself tripping up from the things that are right here in front of me. The reality with spiritual myopia is the longer you go with it, the worse it gets. Listen, I'm blind as a bat. If I don't have my contacts in or my glasses on, you can forget it. I can't see anything. And it started when I was younger, and in terms of farsightedness, it, it kind of ends, you know, when you get a, a certain age and nearsightedness. So those corrective things, between 20 and 30, it doesn't get too much worse. But for me right now, if I don't have my contacts in or if I don't have my glasses on, when I wake up in the morning and I roll over to see my alarm clock, I do good to even know there's a nightstand there. I can't see anything. So I have to take it and literally put it right here in my face. Now, when you take something and you put it right here in your face, what are you doing? You're blinding yourself to all the whole circumstance, the whole big picture there, because all of your emphasis, all of your focus is right here. 
And for Christians, that's where many of us live our Christian life. We find ourselves living our Christian life compartmentalizing one thing at a time and putting all our focus and energy right there that we miss out on the great big picture of what the Lord has for us. How many times do we look at circumstances and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe this right here. And it robs us of, man, look at how good God is all over here and out there and everything that he's done. It's because we get so focused right here. Who wants our focus to be right here? Do you think the Lord wants that? No, Satan wants that. That's exactly right. Satan wants to distract us. He's the one who wants to put our focus right here. The Lord says, you know what? I don't want your focus there. I want you to focus on me. If you put your sights on me, all this stuff will just play right out. All this stuff will make perfect sense in my perfect timing. But not only can we struggle from a condition of spiritual myopia, sometimes we struggle from a condition of spiritual amnesia. Now, as we consider spiritual amnesia, what does it say there? In verse 9, it says, He can't see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. It's losing the ability to remember those memories, those details, those facts. Retrograde amnesia just simply is an impaired ability to recall those past events or familiar things. Now, don't be mistaken. Let me just be clear. With regard to amnesia, sometimes when you watch it on TV, they'll say, well, someone who's suffering from amnesia has no idea who they are. They don't know anything around them. They don't have any idea who they are. The reality is this. Someone who's suffering from amnesia knows who they are most of the time, but they can't remember what's been done for them. They know who they are, but they can't remember what's been done for them. They can't remember what the Lord has done for them. So as we think about spiritual amnesia, that's exactly what it's talking about. The first condition is spiritual myopia. Don't lose sight of the big picture that God has for you. Don't put your focus right here in front of you. Consider what God has for you all the way around. Spiritual amnesia is don't forget what God's done for you. Now again, as we consider that this morning, he's preaching to the church. He's already reminded us in verses 2 through 4 of all the things that we have. He went on to say, and besides this, you're supposed to add to your faith virtue and those things that we move forward with. But yet when we consider spiritual amnesia, it's as if we forget what God has done for us. And as we think about that and we think about what God has done for us, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 reminds us of this. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Don't forget that you've been bought with a price, and it is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Who do they belong to? Which are God's. They're his anyway. They're his anyway. Don't get spiritual amnesia and forget what God has done for you. Don't get spiritual amnesia this morning and ask yourself, you know what? I'm just going to focus on me. We live in a generation that's all about me. We live in a generation today that would say, don't tell me what to do. I already know what I'm going to do. Even in the face of truth, the truth of God's word, yet people 
will consciously and knowingly say, I know that's what the Bible says, but. And they choose to take their own direction, their own decision regarding what the Bible says. Let me tell you what that is. That's spiritual amnesia. That's forgetting what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's forgetting what he's done for you, and that's forgetting that you belong to him. Think about it. If he was willing in sinless perfection to go to the cross and die for you, the least we can do is not forget what he's done for us. Not forget what he's done for us. Two conditions this morning. Spiritual myopia. Spiritual amnesia. The question is, is there a cure? Is there a cure? See, that's what's great about God's word. He'll never put us in a situation or show us something to reveal exactly where we are that he doesn't provide the cure for. So look what he says this morning. Again, he's writing to the church. He's already established that. This is to those that are in the church, them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He reminds us first of everything that we have in Christ. Then he goes on to say, if you're lacking in these things, you got a spiritual condition this morning. It's either spiritual myopia or it's spiritual amnesia. And if you've got one of those two conditions... And the reality is this, if you've got one, according to God's word, you pretty much have the other one. So it's a hand-in-hand kind of thing. If you're focused right here and just on you, it's because you've forgotten what God's done for you. They go hand-in-hand. But there is a remedy. There is a remedy. Look what it says there in verse 10, 2 Peter 1, verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, if you struggle with one of these two conditions, the first thing you got to do is this. You got to make sure you're making your calling and your election sure. What is that in simple terms? The calling is God's invitation to sinners to receive his salvation. The election is you choosing to accept the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, recognizing he's the only one that can forgive you of your sins. That's what your calling and election is. If we consider that calling and election, we got to know for certain that you're saved. You know, somebody comes to you and says, well, you know what, I'm doubting my salvation. I just don't know for sure that I'm saved. What do we do? We say, well, tell me about when you think you were saved. Tell me about the time when you think you got saved. And if they don't have a testimony of that, if they can't recall that, then it's okay to say, you know what, buddy? Let's get it settled right now. Today's the day to get that settled. Don't ever, ever, ever discount what God can do with someone who doubts their salvation. Don't talk them out of getting saved. You make sure you let God do the work. And if they don't have a certainty that they're saved, it's pretty certain that they're lost. Because you can't be saved and not know it. So as we consider that, and we consider that election and calling, goes back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 
But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification and of the spirit and belief of the truth. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, we read these. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It's not a hope so, maybe so salvation. It's a no so salvation. We don't have to wonder and think, well, am I saved? I think I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. If that's you this morning and you have doubt, get it settled. There's no better day than today to nail it to the cross and say, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I know on this day I got that settled and I can mark it down that the Lord saved me on that day. That's what God desires for us. When I have the opportunity to lead someone to the Lord, that's the very first thing I ask them to do. Take your Bible and write today's date in your Bible. And I want you to remember what about this date got you saved. It has nothing to do with the date. It has everything to do with that's the day I for sure settled it in my heart and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come to my heart and save me. I don't have to doubt that. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to go back to I think so, hope so, maybe so. I can know so because this is the day I asked the Lord to come into my heart and save me. Let's look at the cure of these conditions. What's the cure? If I have spiritual myopia, what's the cure? The cure is this. It's looking beyond just right in front of your face. Flip over to Mark chapter 8 with me. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 22, it says this, And he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And they took the blind man by the hand, they led him out of the town. And when they had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him, and he asked if he saw aught. And he looked up, and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hand again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. If you struggle with nearsightedness, you understand that. I look out there and all I see is a bunch of trees walking. But look what happened. Look what the difference was. When Jesus touched his eyes, he says, I see all men clearly. You know what the cure is for spiritual myopia? Simple. Just get a touch from Jesus. Just get a touch from Jesus. You know how you get a touch from Jesus? You recognize where you're at. And you recognize you need a cure. That's what we want to do this morning. We want to diagnose our spiritual condition. If I look this morning and I say, you know what, Lord, if I'm being truthful, I'm too focused right here. I put all my emphasis right here. See, we're all born with that spiritual nearsightedness. We're all born only seeing things close up in our own self-interest. And as a result of that, you know what that brings you? The reality is this. If you're focusing just right here, this is the promise. The promise is this. You're going to be filled with fear. You're going to be filled with doubt, with anger, with resentment, and with despair. But when we allow God to touch our eyes and see as he sees and cure that spiritual myopia, guess what? We see things from his perspective. We see the whole big picture. More importantly than that, in the midst of that trial that's right there, I promise you, there's so many more blessings to focus on. 
quit focusing on the one thing that's right there and just say, Lord, let me focus on all the good things that you've done. It'll change your whole purpose. It'll change your whole being. It'll change your whole attitude. It'll put you back where you need to be. Not only that, but once we recognize that, spiritual myopia, we got to look. Look what it says there in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see, we got all the promises that God makes. So when we set our affection on things above and not on the things of the earth, regardless of what the circumstance is, we have the promise of knowing that we can be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Not only that, in Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29, again, we know it, it's familiar And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated, and to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God desires good things for your life. God desires for you to see the good that he's doing in your life. So don't get blinded by the short-sightedness of the problem of today. Look at the good that God's doing for you. So how do we get a cure from spiritual amnesia? How do we get a cure from spiritual amnesia? What is it that God wants to remind us of about what he's done for us? The cure is found in Psalm 103, and it says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It goes on and it says this, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like eagles. You know what God says there? The cure for spiritual amnesia is don't forget what God's done for you. Not only in salvation, which is the biggest thing, but what he did for you just today. Do you know God woke you up today? Do you know that God put breath in your lungs today? Do you know that God gave you a home to head out from today and food? God gave you the ability to be here. God gave you a church to come to and worship him this morning. God gave you the opportunity to be an encouragement to somebody today. God gave you the opportunity to put a smile on your face and say, you know what, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. God gave you the opportunity just to get something out of this message to say, I want to be just a little bit different tomorrow than I was today. God gave you the opportunity to get in on this week of what God did through Bible school and see people get saved. Twelve young people get saved. God gave you the opportunity to step out of these church doors and look up and feel the sun beat down on your face. One of my greatest favorite things is to get in the car after church when it's hot and just bake right there. God gave me the ability to be able to do that in just a little while. God gave you the ability to go home to a family and recognize what it is to have unconditional love. God gives you so much, yet we have spiritual amnesia and we forget just how good he is to us. Where are you this morning? Where's your spiritual condition this morning? Do you remember 
everything that God's done for you? Look what he says. His whole prayer for the church this morning is this. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him and hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This morning, be reminded of where you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it we need this reminder? Why is it we need this reminder? Well, Peter says this. He says, wherefore... In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. You know what he's saying, church? He said, I know you know all this. This is not new, but it's good to be reminded every once in a while. He says, I know you know these things, but it's certainly good to be reminded. Verse 9, reminded of what? If you lack these things... You're blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from our sins. We've forgotten what God has done for us. How do you get it settled? You make sure your calling and election is sure. This morning, I don't want you to leave this place with a doubt. I want you to know for certain when you leave this morning that you can say, I know with certainty I'm saved. But also this morning, I want you to be able to leave and say, you know what? If I'm being real truthful, I got one or both of those conditions. I'm either struggling because I'm short-sighted and only seeing right here instead of all that God's done, or I've neglected what God has done for me. I've forgotten all the blessings of what God has done for me. Verse 13, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put on or put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. I want to close with Second Peter chapter twenty, or Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty and twenty-one. This has nothing to do with my thoughts, my words. Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty says this. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This has nothing to do with what I think. It's the power of God's word. God intends for us as, to believe, as believers to hear what he has for us. And I'm going to close with this. Every opportunity ends with a choice. Every opportunity ends with a choice. I'm convinced of this. There's going to come a day when people are going to spend an eternity in hell and they're going to be reminded of the opportunity they had to have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ yet let it pass them by. They're going to be reminded of the opportunity they had. You know what? I doubted. I struggled. I should have got that settled. I, I knew I wasn't saved, but I'd already went forward before. And what are people going to think? Who cares? You better worry about what God thinks. Amen. Every opportunity ends with a choice.
this morning, recognize this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what bridges the gap, is what Jesus did on the cross. So this morning, have you accepted what Jesus did just for you? And if you have, are you living short-sighted? Or have you forgotten through spiritual amnesia what he's done for you? Today you have the opportunity, the choice, to decide how you'll live the rest of your afternoon and the rest of your days. I'm through preaching. Let's pray. Kelly, will you come to the piano? If you will, please just stand where you're at. Thank you for being so reverent this morning. I appreciate that. Just for a while, as Kelly plays something soft on the piano, I want you just to bow your head. And the first question is this this morning. Can you say with certainty that I am saved? My calling and election is sure. If that's your testimony this morning, will you just raise up your hand for just a second and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Now, if there be one here this morning who would say, you know what, I'm not certain I'm saved. I think so, I hope so, maybe so, but I don't know for sure. The message this morning is to the church. The message this morning is to those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You see, you can't get in on all the blessings God has for you until you first know that you're saved. So if there be one here this morning that says, you know what, I'm not certain that I'm saved. I've got some doubts on that and I sure would like to get that settled. Will you just slip up your hand right where you're at? Amen. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. It's never easy. But I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. If you slipped up your hand and you said, you know what, i got to get it settled. i got to know for certain that I'm saved. I don't want to carry that doubt anymore. You don't have to. And let me tell you, you got a whole church that will rejoice with you if you'll just take that first step of obedience. So if you raised your hand and you want to get that settled, I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you're at and just come forward this morning. We're going to have somebody pray for you and show you how you can get that settled in the Word of God. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out. But I want to see you get saved today. Brother Ben. Is there somebody else this morning who would say, I don't know for certain that I'm saved and I need to get that settled. No greater decision you can make. All right, Christian, what about you this morning? We got a little time. Are you struggling this morning? Have you put yourself in a situation of nearsightedness and looking at the 
right here in front of you and forgetting what God has for you? Or have you forgotten altogether spiritual amnesia, what God has for you? God desires that we would just know the cure and get it settled today. Just right where you're at. If that would be you and you'd say, you know, if I'm being honest, I struggle with those things. I'm going to ask you to get that settled. Just right in your seat where you're at. The altar's always open if you feel like you need to come forward.